Hello, hello, hello. It's Friday, 12th of March. My name is Wolfram Knelangen. And this is the UGEM Podcast. We're kicking things off with some dystopian beats from Beatmaker Nemesis. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you don't miss the game soundtrack challenge with Beatmaker Nemesis. Instructions how to participate will be given later in this podcast. And as always, while we make this especially for all you UGEM customers, friends and fans out there, of course everybody making music should feel right at home. So welcome everybody to episode 4 and I dare to say the spring episode. Clocks are about to change in the US this weekend. We have International Women's Day just behind us. And even more so, I'm happy to interview Laura Escudé today. Laura is a multi-hyphenate artist slash entrepreneur slash performer. She's played with the likes of Kanye West. She's been working on the Grammy Award shows, which are also up this weekend. And she is running her own academy called Transmute, teaching people how to not only survive, but thrive in the music industry. So welcome, Laura Escudé. Hi, Wolf. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And where do we catch you today in the world, Laura? Well, today I'm in lovely Los Angeles. It's very sunny. My neighbors are deciding to just redo their entire yard next door. So apologies if you hear that. <laughs> they don't understand the life of a musician. <laughs> no, they don't know that people are recording podcasts. These neighbors, what do they think? No, no worries. You know, we are pro-audio people, so I guess we have... <laughs> we're, yes, we're, we've got tools. Yes, we have the tools. We have ways of making uh, remove the noise. So you're in Los Angeles, and um, it's funny because as a boy from a small town in Germany, I, uh, you know, whenever I'm in Los Angeles, still today, I feel kind of lost because to me it's still unreal that you can drive on an autobahn for two hours and you're still in the same place, basically. So <laughs> something that I like to ask is, where exactly are you? Like, it's it's an, almost like a world of its own over there, right? <laughs> it's very big, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm in Glendale. So Glendale, is it's not actually the valley, contrary to popular belief. Mm -hmm. um, but it is like East LA, kind of north of Silver Lake. So it's about 10 minutes from Silver Lake, about 15 minutes from Hollywood, about 10 minutes from Pasadena. So yeah, it's pretty centrally located. And uh, I've lived in Glendale almost the entire time that I've been in LA. So and I, I really Silver love Lake it. and uh, Hollywood are, are in reach, are in close reach. That's good. Is Silver Lake still hipster central or how is it after a year of COVID? Is that still the thing? Uh, you know, I, I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Silver Lake in quite some time. I've been chilling at my, my place in, in Glendale. And I just thought to myself the other day, it's almost a year and mm -hmm. I've been here pretty much every day of the last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so, wild. Yeah, so how has that been? I I know that you basically have your studio at home, right? I do. Yeah, I had a studio um, also in Glendale for my company, Electronic Creatives. Um, but when the pandemic hit, we shut that down because I couldn't see any reason to keep paying for something that wasn't going to uh -huh. be getting used. Uh -huh. So kind of went back to, uh, you know, bootstrap mode where just uh, square square one, square zero maybe, and just moved all the gear back into my house. So it's it's cool. So you know? are you paying back the neighbors every now and then with, with, some, <laughs> yes, exactly. with some beats? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, you know, luckily they're pretty far away. So, But I was working out in my backyard today and I have some speakers out there and I was like playing hip hop music and ah, it was good. really yes. loud. That's important. Yeah. Speakers on the deck are always important. <laughs> And, exactly. And speaking of about the studios, so how do you feel uh, like um, the the studio, you know, uh, scene recording studio for higher recording studio scene has been 
uh, I mean, changing a lot over the last 20 years anyway. But do you feel that COVID has an impact? Um, how does it work in your surroundings? Do people go to studios at all anymore? What's going on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I have, I mean, I definitely have worked in a bunch of different studios in the past, but um, since I got more into the live performance realm, uh, you know, I haven't been as much working on productions in studios. So I think that they are still happening. Um, I know that you know, artists will need to record and they need people to record them. And not everyone can get a bunch of gear and make it work at mm -hmm. their own mm -hmm. home studio. So I, I think that studios have still been, you know, still been busy. And I, I think from what I've heard, you know, since musicians aren't touring, um, there's been a boom of recording all these mm -hmm. artists are coming out with albums. So I assume that the, the studio, world is doing okay mm -hmm. um yeah and and that's something you, you mentioned your work with um live events and that's something that i'm curious about but before we dive in maybe i am to mention this for our listeners um so laura is good day and looking at your credits i see you're you know a live show designer you're the first ableton trainer that i found interesting um and uh, a, a controllerist that's another term that i've uh, that i have found um so those are all the things and i guess a composer a performer a violinist correct yes so those are all <laughs> the things that that i uh, bring you on to the show today and you also yes. have your own program uh, the transmute program which we're going to talk about later so let's start let's I'd, i'd like to go a little bit back in time maybe and let's start um with where does laura escude the the artist that is today where where does that come from how did things start out for you well it's a great question and i love that you listed all those things i'm like wow <laughs> yes <laughs> kind of narrow things down a little bit. I'm all over the place. No, it's all related. I promise, folks. <laughs> um, I started out as a violinist, a classical violinist, when I was a kid and just fell in love with the instrument. And it did the whole playing in the orchestra and going to summer camps and all that growing up. And uh, I remember I was in high school. I went to a... a summer camp called Interlochen for two months. And I discovered like alternative music and hip hop music. And I was really excited to learn that these artists had violinists perform in their band sometimes. And so I started getting interested in playing violin over beats and I didn't, had no idea how I was going to do this, but I, because <laughs> I really didn't know anyone that at home that played this kind of music. I mean, at, at camp, there was this radio station, but uh, at home, I didn't know anyone. And then when I went away to college, eventually I fell into the rave scene and electronic music scene and started going to these crazy parties and just wanted to start playing over DJ's music. So mm -hmm. that's what I did and started uh, playing violin over drum and bass music, which is really Oops. like the hardest <laughs> style of electronic music to start with. But I really was taken by it. Um, and uh, yeah, from there was promoting nights at this uh, club at my school and booked this band to come in and they were called Smoke. And it turns out that they were george clinton's son's band and just got in the studio with them and george and started learning how to produce music <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and just just a quick one like when you played violin over uh drum and bass uh yeah. would you play the electric violin or would you record like would you Uh, play a traditional violin <laughs> or really how, like I, I'm trying to picture this scene <laughs> right I mean I had no idea about electric violins at this point um and I did, couldn't afford them anyway so mm -hmm. I remember I was just like trying to play my violin into a microphone I mean it was really and then I got some like clip-on microphone for uh -huh. my violin which was really terrible but uh you know it got the job uh -huh. done i was just experimenting at this point i mean it was 
just really not good. <laughs> yes. And when when now I hear, so clip on microphone on the violin playing to drum and bass, that uh, there forms uh, a picture is forming in my mind. And, yes, and, yes. And so when I think about Laura Escoday, you know, nowadays I see clearly a picture of like an electronic musician, you know. So where is this? And a lot of electronics involved. Yeah. Um, You know, I think I saw you mentioning Imogen Heap somewhere, and I, for me, I think you're, you know, in that part of the music world too, like a very um, te technology-oriented um, um, artist. So, how did this technology thing come to be? Where this was there a first device apart from the clip-on microphone, or some <laughs> first, I don't know, drum machine love or something? You know, I think I just started putting one foot in front of the other. I, I really didn't know that I was going to end up here. I mean, no one does. But when you're young, <laughs> I think people think that we know and we have it all figured out. We're like, we always knew we were going to do this. Like, had no idea. It all just unfolded step by step. But, um, yeah, I would say, like, being in the studio with George and those guys really kind of got me into producing and learning how to produce. I started using acid pro the program and started using reason. And, um, uh, this is 20 years ago now, pretty much. And, um, so that's early, uh, early reason. Days. Yeah. Like when I was in college, rebirth. Yeah. did you, did you use rebirth also? by chance? Rebirth. Like yeah. yeah. It was like mm -hmm. cakewalk pro and, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I took a class at my school. The only uh, class they had in music production was with Cakewalk, and it was a floppy disk. So that mm -hmm. gives you some perspective <laughs> <laughs> on how far things have come. Um, yeah, so I was just like finding ways to uh, to create, and you know, it just everything just started unfolding. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hearing is. It's not so much the technology per se, but maybe more the technology as a means to an end to achieve a certain sound or a certain aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember I bought a Yamaha motif, mm -hmm. oh, and uh, that's a big. That, that big was like my battleship. first keyboard. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was my first keyboard, and I was really proud of myself. I, you know, I saved up and got this. I was just out of college and. Um, you know, I didn't understand like the difference between audio and MIDI, right? Mm -hmm. As people don't <laughs> when they first start out. And then I was using Reason a lot. And then I realized, oh my gosh, like I could just use this with Reason, you know? <laughs> so there's just like a magical you know, moments. <laughs> exactly. Magical <laughs> moments that seem funny and silly now, uh -huh. 20 years later after, uh -huh. after being in the game. But when you're just starting out, it's like rev revelatory. <laughs> yeah. And I think they, this, I, you know, I think these, these are, um, stories and, and moments that shape us in a way, right. That shape, you know, how we then, Uh, use other technology to make music so um, I find that always um, fascinating I think I have similar moments <laughs> in my past where I realized I could record my electric guitar into a tape recorder and then right. play it back <laughs> amazing <laughs> so so I on this journey to music tech um, I found something really interested in your bio um, and this is actually where our paths have crossed in the past um, even if we didn't meet personally, but I, I saw that you had been in technical support at M audio, uh, controller and keyboard maker. And I find that so interesting because, um, I see people from that era in M audio all over the industry and their artists and their technologists. So what is it, <laughs> what is the magic thing about, about this? This um, audio crew from back then, do you like? Right. <laughs> do you have a theory? I love that you. I love that you know this first of all, um, because we know. You know, this group of people knows this. Um, you know, this is a really funny story. I'm going to take it back a little bit. So, please. Um, I graduated from from college. Um, I was still in Florida. I moved to Tampa. 
Um, I went to school in Tallahassee and moved to Tampa because it was like a slightly larger city, you know, (laughs) kind of small Mm -hmm. town and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like was flirting with doing music business at University of Miami and um, met a friend. We had a band, decided to move to to L.A. Um, I'd been teaching. I had started teaching um, like pro tools and reason and like basic synthesis at this time at a school in Florida. And I moved to LA and, um, I couldn't find a job, you know, like I was interviewing, I interviewed at a bunch of different companies. And like, I remember I interviewed at native instruments and they're like, well, there was some education job. And, and I remember they said, well, we've got this tech support position. And I was kind of like, eh, (laughs) I I don't think so. You know, I'm in a band. What do you mean tech support? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, it was more like, I didn't believe in my skills. Uh, Right. I Uh was like, wow, this is, this is like some really nerdy stuff. Uh Like I, I, I don't feel like my game is there. So I was doing odd jobs and I was like, you know, doing like bit parts on like TV or, you know, just like random, like casting, you know, you can get cast as extras. And Mm -hmm. I was doing like talk shows and a bunch of random stuff. And then, um, I had bought this M audio, uh, oxygen eight keyboard, which those of you listening know how (laughs) pivotal that keyboard was at the time, you know, nothing else like it. It was like the first mini portable mini controller. True. It was the first thing that really checked, you know, in on the promise that you could have a mobile MIDI, MIDI keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I had a PC at the time and it, it just, the keyboard stopped working and I was like, what the heck, you know, it was working. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so I, I called tech support and I was talking to this guy and I was like, Hey, it's not working. And he's like, well, try it with a Mac. And I'm like, well, I don't have a Mac, but I will. And so I tried it with a Mac and it worked. And then, you know, I called him back and then we had this whole like back and forth thing. And then we started talking about like PC IRQ issues and this and that. And he was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of like, but I need this to work. This is like my only MIDI controller. So shortly after it still wasn't working. And I just was didn't know what I was going to do because I couldn't afford another one um, and or another brand or whatever. There were no other brands at this point. Um, and I was at this electronic music night and got introduced to this guy and we started talking. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're the guy from tax support. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, wait a minute. You're that girl who keeps calling me. And he's like, I'm sorry. I just don't know why. And so anyway, he was kind of like, you actually know your stuff. Do you want a job? Uh-huh. And so he introduced me to his boss, this guy named uh, Calvin Banks. Um, and shout out John Vaughn, John Von Segern, who uh, was the was the tech support guy, friend of mine. And um, then Calvin, you know, he just had this knack for getting, you know, this amazing people. And I think also it was just amazing people referred amazing people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as soon as there was some synergy you know it's like hey we should get this person in so i got into tech support and i was doing email tech support and i did a bit of phone but mostly email and and that was a good way for me to kind of slide into uh doing tech support and after getting to m audio i just realized like the talent of all of the people it was just insane i mean i had never been around so many amazing artists um people that were just so good at their job just brilliant creators i mean chad carrier you know created the trigger finger while we were there and that was like you know still like one of the i that that was like the early 16 pad controller with pressure sensitivity. I mean, like nothing else had that, you know? (laughs) So, and of course our mutual friend Leo and, you know, like amazing artists, like No Saj Thing came there later and Steve Nalepa and just so many amazing folks, friends of mine. So, so we have a new theory. That's good. Like, so it's basically good, talented, cool people attract more good, talented, cool people. (laughs) 
Exactly. And then also just having a good head of your department Uh because the head of that tech support department, Calvin, was amazing and just such a sweet, kind uh, person who was a good leader. Uh And I found it always such a... Mm, kind of bizarre juxtaposition because I I remember it's in this part I don't even know if it's technically LA um, what was it <laughs> no. uh, Irwindale Irwindale so, uh, yes. it's, it was this really bleak warehouse in the middle of nothing <laughs> next to a Miller Brewery Miller Brewing <laughs> <laughs> right and, yes and it, it's like the center of the you know basically it became the center for la- later lots and lots of um you know, talented people that went on to to influence the music tech world. You know, uh, in in all different kinds of um, yeah companies and, and contexts. Uh, quite amazing. totally. And at that time when I started, it was right after the Avid acquisition, uh, after Avid acquired Amadio. Mm-hmm. So it was a completely like new time, and they were developing Pro Tools Empowered, and you know, putting. Basically, all this different software. I mean, Ableton, I later worked at Ableton, but Ableton Live was in every piece of hardware that M-Audio distributed, the light version. So there's a lot of like early synergy between these companies. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so we're in Irwindale somewhere in the early 2000s, I guess. Like Uh, 2005. 2005, yeah, yeah, or mid-2000s, or what what you call it, the... The noughties. Yes. <laughs> <Is that> a, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, and then later you go on to, you know, design live shows um, for the Grammys, right? Uh, at some point. Did I get, get that Yeah, right? the Grammys has really been only in the last few years. Um, but, uh, you know, the short version of this was um, I was doing a lot of Ableton live demos through M audio and kind of became the go-to person for all the artists, mm-hmm. um, there and just developed a really great relationship with Ableton. And they decided to take back their own distribution in 2007. And so they split off from M audio and I basically was like, take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. And I, uh, became the first West Coast product specialist um, for Ableton and basically was working at home and um, traveling around, going to all the stores and doing schools and doing presentations on live. And uh, so I was there for about a year and then the economy tanked in 2008 and they decided to restructure the company and develop the, we'd been, been developing the certification program. Um, and they basically replaced my position with a bunch of other people that were certified trainers, which was a great move for them. And they made me a certified trainer because I'd been there and was developing the program. And so I was the first certified trainer, which was kind of weird at the time. It didn't really mean much because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, what about my job? Um, health insurance and all the things. But it was honestly, it was like the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I still have a great relationship with them and Is it you still know, your worked da? with them. Still my da. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, you know, I you can use in all the other ones, but uh, live is my Yeah, my everyone main. has a go-to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, became certified. And then shortly after that, got a call from uh, Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. And they said, do you want to move to Vegas and program this show called Viva Elvis? And I said, sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I mean, it was terrifying just because I had no idea what that meant. But you had learned um, your lesson from the Native (laughs) Instrument interviews. (laughs) So you said, yeah, sure. (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I I mean, at some some point I just started saying yes to anything, you know, like, sure, I could do that. I'll figure it out. I'm very resourceful. Um, So yeah, I went to, to Vegas for four months at the end of 2009 and um, did that and, uh, had gotten connected with, um, Kanye's engineer, Anthony Kilhoffer, uh, before that, and did a bunch of work with him on Kanye's go in the dark tour. And, uh, yeah, just kind of like got in the mix. And then in 2011, um, got called back to, to work with Kanye and, uh, Anthony had decided he, he had had a child and wanted to focus on his life 
um, with his family. And I just kind of slid in there and started doing all the live shows for Kanye. And I did that, um, from 2011 to 2018, more or less most of that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing is the, that basically came from your Ableton life knowledge that, yeah yeah, yeah it did yeah, it's isn't it an interesting jump you know from like being called in <laughs> right. because of the technical thing and then suddenly you take you take responsibility for artistic direction also i think right because and and i'm curious here because designing a live show i'm i am clueless like what does what does that what does that include <laughs> yeah yeah so, totally like? yeah so um i mean there was a lot of time that passed i mean I'm, i'm making it sound like you know oh, and then all of a sudden i'm on tour with kanye no i pay, i paid my dues for sure i mean it, this is like six years of paying uh -huh. my dues but um yeah i uh yeah i it, it's different for every artist um with kanye at first i was just doing like his vocal effects um like his auto-tune his delays basically improvising with him you know during the shows um, turning things off and on and kind of helping to enhance his performance. And, um, you know, he would hear like, uh, sometimes I would turn on a delay if I felt like he wanted to go into a moment where he was kind of like going off or screaming or like hyping something up and then you know, like reel things back or, so it was really fun to mm -hmm. kind of learn how to, to do that with someone. It's like, trying to be inside their brain and you know <laughs> guess what they want where they want to go yeah. with things what, so what, that was super what, fun what, a, what an interesting you know uh, concept of a job it's just like i'm i turn <laughs> i i i turn knobs on the effect for kanye's vocals during live shows to make it right yeah, and you know exactly where do you, where does one get the training for that Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to give a shout out to, um, Henry strange, uh, Henry had put together this, um, we remote system and, uh, basically to control the vocals with a, with a the, Wii remote, which oh, is yeah, like okay. wireless. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and actually we didn't actually use the motion, but, um, you know, just having it in your hand like that made so much more sense than like oh, okay. pressing a button or turning a knob because you, you have to be so reactive uh -huh. to um, the the uh, the situation, you know, because with the vocals, like he could decide that he wants to turn off the auto-tune really quickly uh -huh. and just have just sitting there with something in your hand where you can easily access every button um, was brilliant. So, yeah, yeah so I, I was using a Wii controller basically the entire time. And how would this look like? I'm curious, like, would you then practice this also? Would you be in the practice rehearsal room basically and trying out different effects and routines and and working out your interaction during a show or was that sheer improvisation in the moment or how does that look like <laughs> oh rehearsals that's hilarious okay. oh you know that May, people I'm very don't naive, rehearse probably. <laughs> <laughs> no i i love working with pop stars because they rehearse you know it, it, it pop stars rehearse for months because there's just so many moving pieces and you know like stage design and video and lighting and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, with, with Kanye, there were <laughs> no rehearsals or very little rehearsals. So it was, it was kind of like figuring it out on the fly, on the fly. during yeah. the show. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we did, we did kind of like determine what the effects were. Um, but then we, of course, new songs would come in and I wasn't quite sure I would just kind of take liberties with it. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I was right and he loved what I did. And sometimes, you sometimes know, not. he didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you you know, as you can imagine, I would hear about that. <laughs> so any interesting stories there? I, I know of this um, rumor and I'm not even sure whether it's true, but that James Brown would point basically at his musicians during live shows if you heard mistakes and every pointing would mean like a hundred dollars deducted from their pay that night. oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that uh, not any money necessarily but just you know 
<laughs> a mean tweet. Like he has he no 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 he I mean he gets over things really quickly you know and moves on but uh, but uh, it's just in the moment like I mean he'll say anything into the microphone he'll tell the lighting director hey the lights you know I I don't like them like that I want them like this or mm-hmm. hey guy over there move because you're in my space or you know just like whatever it is um, so we all get used to that because it's just you know with no rehearsals. It was like we were rehearsing during the shows and he's directing mm-hmm. the, the the show as we're as it's going on. And then of course, as if we were on a tour and things would start to settle down in the tour, and then every night after night we would kind of settle into the same show. But you mm-hmm. know, inevitably there would always be changes. <laughs> and and <laughs> so that's, that's interesting because you know, this all sounds like these are jobs that nobody can really prepare you for, or at least you cannot plan for it, you know? Uh, oh, uh, no. Uh, and then again, I think many people listening probably right now in the UGEM audience, they are probably building a career in music right now or, you know, thinking about doing it. So what would you say? What are the key things that somebody has to bring to this live show, live performance, mm. live show design world uh, to, to thrive? Because I don't think there's a school of interfering with autotune live while Kanye is rapping. <laughs> no, but we do teach that in our master track program. So Is that part of the transmute c- curriculum? Yeah, it is. It is. And we can talk about that later. But, um, but uh, yeah, you know, there really haven't been many or any programs other than than our program for teaching people how to do this stuff. Um, and I, I really saw a way to help other people get, get jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's when I formed my company, electronic creatives, I started putting people on tours and training them and putting them on tours. And I was training people one by one and then, uh, decided to get smart and do a a program. So I could train (laughs) many people at one time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I would say like, I mean, obviously attending a program and just to learn about this stuff, just because, uh, yeah, like people say, oh, I know how to use Ableton Live. I'll be fine. Right. And those are the people that get fired on the spot. Um, when you think that, you know, everything, when you think that you, um, are really good at what you do as a producer, uh, programming a live show is completely different. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of the same skill sets, Sure, but um, it's very technical. There's a lot of um, changes that have to be made. There's a lot of mistakes that can happen. Um, and you just have to th- be thinking about a lot of different things at the same time. And if your brain doesn't work that way, like I just know some people, they're like, can only focus on one thing at one time, right? Mm-hmm. That It's not for you. Because mm-hmm. you, you need to have you several have to, you, balls You have up to in be thinking at, at about so many different things at the same time and also just be paying attention to what's happening in the show. And, you know, and I didn't really speak about this yet, but another big component of the work that I did with Kanye was, and all these other artists is actually editing the music. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you're not musical, um, then that's going to be a problem if you're just solely technical. So you got to mm-hmm. have this balance of technical and musical chops. Mm-hmm. Um, because when the artist says, Hey, can you make this edit of this song? And, you know, I'd like to add this, you know, part here and, you know, fit this loop in or add this sound effect or transition from this song to this song and slow it down and like create a remix or, you know, make a rock version. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to like decode what they're saying uh-huh. <laughs> because Understand you might lingo, think you understand the what they're saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. You yeah. might think that you understand, but um, you might not. So, and I see some people that get in to do the job and they're like just a, more of a technical person and um, just knowing music is really important. Um, being able to speak the language the, with the musical director or with the artist and to decipher very quickly and correctly what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, so do you feel that this that this mixture of technical skills plus your musical education um, is, it was the main foundation for this? I think so. Yeah. And 
Um, <laughs> being able to be cool under pressure. I mean, I think that uh -huh. is the main thing. Um, because Go, like sounds like going with the flow. You, there needs to be some kind of willingness to improvise and go with whatever is happening. Huh? Well, you just can't get shook. Mm -hmm. You can't get your confidence shaken um, because it's intense. You know, you're in the room with big artists. They're they want something. They want you to make it happen. And if you're having trouble or fumbling, some people can really get discouraged and they start, you know getting nervous and you just you have to project always confidence i got this even if you don't um and that's really hard for some people um because it's terrifying to mm -hmm. be honest. it can, can be terrifying when a big artist or any artist is up in your face like hey i really want this and, da -da -da -da, and they're all excited and if you can't make it happen then you're gone or if uh -huh. you can't communicate very well how you why you can't make it happen sometimes there's a really good reason uh -huh. uh, sometimes the reason is the show is starting in two minutes the house lights are coming down and you know the artist wants you to make an edit and i mean i kind of got known for always saying yes you know, maybe to my <laughs> my detriment but um you know i'd be editing during the show on the wow. backup computer sometimes and you know, just like pulling off the craziest stuff and you kind of have to have nerves of steel in that way. Mm -hmm. And and a little bit of diplomacy is what it sounds like. So in, in the right moment. Great seems, communication. Se yeah, seems, yeah. Like a, seems like a demanding, demanding, uh, <laughs> <laughs> demanding job description. Totally. So, yeah. So with your with your own music that you write and, and, and perform, you refer to it as future classical. What 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 makes future classical? How is it different from classic classical? Totally. Yeah. So I, I came up with this term a few years ago because I was trying to figure out how to describe my music. And um You know, I'm very classically influenced as a violinist, grew up playing classical music, still love classical music. Um, you know, even the, <laughs> I feel like my style is always my style. Um, so even I, when I've tried to like make stuff that is not in my style, it ends up sounding like it's in my style, which is a good thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, of course I can make all kinds of music and whatever, but when I'm making my own music, it always ends up sounding like me and And um, that is this kind of lyrical, classical uh, kind of sound with the violin. And um, so another thing that I'm really into is like synths and weird sounds and experimental music and like futuristic sounds, um, essentially just like really weird synth sounds. I'm just always into like trying new synths. I just got the Hydra synth from ASM, which I'm really stoked on and using that a bunch, but, um, which is MPE as well. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, love to experiment with these weird sounds. And so I came up with future classical because I feel like it sounds like classical music from the future to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking classical arrangements uh, with mm, futuristic sounds yeah is is, is that yeah. kind of the balance yeah mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and and um you mentioned the can you mention the synth again i don't actually know about this one yeah so um it's a great uh new synth called the hydra synth from uh asm sound machines and glenn darcy um uh, if you're familiar with him he was one of the creators of the MPC or like early Akai yes. days uh -huh. mm -hmm. and then was at Arturia for a while and just amazing synth designer. He designed it and friend of mine. So um, yeah, that's a, it's a great new synth that I'm into. And is, is that something that happens for you too, that you just get new toys or excited about a new kind of tool and that shapes your music then for, for a certain period? Totally. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm really into that synth right now. Um, luckily, after since I was in the MI industry, as you know, <laughs> for many years, I developed a lot of great relationships. And now as you know, I, I hate to use the word influencer because that's just so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But um, mm -hmm. 
you know, as someone who is in front of people (laughs) talking Uh, about things, uh, uh a lot of brands, you know, hit me up and, or give me stuff, which I'm super thankful for. And, you know, in the Transmute Academy, you know, I'm constantly like promoting new products and things that I find. So, you know, it's just like a symbiotic kind of relationship, um, for me. And, you know, I always just love trying out the mo- the weirdest, newest gear that just is going to like blow people's minds in my program because uh-huh. that's what we're all about <laughs> yeah and, and let's let's get there let's um, talk about the transmute program um, because yeah so there's laura multi-creative business <laughs> uh, you know uh, woman and uh, as we said there's lots of people that don't know even where to start with all these things but would like to do something like that and then you came up with this uh, training program or maybe you can actually describe it better than that uh, online i yeah. read about the transmute retreat which i also found interesting Ooh, yeah. to you know think yes. about it as a retreat so yeah what's what's up with transmute what is what is it who, and who is it for <laughs> right on um well, just going back a little bit, the Transmute Retreat was my first kind of venture of doing something uh, like doing an educational program um, that wasn't just like a master class. Like in the past, before I started touring, I was doing a lot of like master classes in LA. Then I started touring and that took over my life for a while. And I decided to slow down on the touring because I wanted to be at home and have a quote unquote, normal lifestyle, whatever that is. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I actually had a massive health breakdown in 2016. I wrote this article on medium called hustle healthier, if anyone wants to read about it. And, um, it was really pivotal in, in changing the way that I was operating. Cause I really was just like pushing myself to the max and like, just bouncing all over the world, doing these shows with multiple different artists at the same time, plus running my company and doing my own music. And so it was just, it was a lot. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to, to, to slow down and, um, I wanted to create something that was a combination of my loves of live performance and helping artists with their live performance. Um, and my love for self-care and personal growth. And so I called this the transmute retreat and it was on location at this beautiful spot, um, art center in Florida. And it was a week long and it was amazing. And, um, at the end of that, everyone was like, well, how, how do we do this? Cause I think I had realized that I had a passion for helping independent artists with their shows. Um, after working with, you know, these big artists for so long, these big artists, I'm not showing them or helping them like learn this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of doing it for them. Mm-hmm. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to like switch gears a little bit and I'm still going to work with the, the other artists, but I'm going to try to put s- uh, some offerings out there for independent artists to learn how to use all this technology on stage and be empowered to create their own, their own shows. And I took a lot of my learnings from, uh, working with these, uh, bigger artists all these years. And so I started the Transmute Accelerator two years ago. Um, and that, has now morphed into the Transmute Academy. So uh, inside the Transmute Academy, we've got some a lot of free courses. Um, I've got a course right now on Ableton Live 11, which mm-hmm. is going to be coming out soon, and um, live performance-centric stuff, and just put out an intro to live streaming course. So we've got a bunch of like free courses in there uh, for folks to get started. We've got master classes with brands and different artists uh, every month. And then we've got the accelerator program, which is like a year all in with me and my team meeting multiple times a week, 30 plus hours of video content, get to perform in our festival. Um, it's a, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an experience. So that's what uh, the Academy encompasses. And uh, also the master track playback program for folks that want to learn how to be playback engineers or live show designers. Okay, so that's then specifically on live shows, yeah. Yeah, so the Transmute Academy is 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 very much focused on on the live aspect. There's, 
you know, that's been my passion. I mean, I'm also very passionate about, um, you know, producing music, but I feel like there's so much out there about production mm -hmm. and there's really not that much about the secrets behind how to create these amazing live shows. And I, that's where I saw this uh, kind of gap in what was out there. And that's why I decided to create it. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, it is about still about the the personal growth, the self-development, the self-care. And we've got different sessions for setting goals, uh, creative empowerment sessions with a friend of mine every month. Um, so it, it's not just like, let's go, let's learn all this technical stuff and perform. It's like, how do you evolve as an artist? I mean, really just think of it as an artist development program. Um, and it's an amazing, I just, I think it's an amazing offering just because I've spent the last couple of years building it and building it and building it. And mm -hmm. so now to have it all kind of like under this one roof at the Transmute Academy with different offerings for people at all stages of their, um, development in live performance is, is I'm really proud of that's, it. So. That's so cool. So come for the Ableton Live free video course and stay for the, um, self-development, you know, growth, <laughs> growth part. Uh, exactly. I, I like yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, my mom is a life coach, uh -huh. so, <laughs> um, people say that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, and I, uh, forever, I just kind of was like, okay, that's her thing. And then I was like, you know, this is kind of rubbing off on me. I started like, you know, doing all the, I've, I've worked with so many coaches and just like invested a lot in, um, my own development over the years. Mm -hmm. And that's really helped me get where I'm at today. And I just wanted to, to give back, you know, and to give back all the tools that I've learned, um, to develop my business and develop my artistry to folks that are, that are interested. Yeah. And I think that makes so much sense, so much sense because, um, a, I think, you know, what is art, you know, if not, you know, an expression of, um, you know, emotions, um, and, I think art is always, co uh, you know, uh, connected to growth, uh, you know, and to reflection, you know, uh, reflection of the artist, reflection of the recipients when they receive the art. So I think it's a very natural step from one thing to another. Plus, as you said, a lot of these jobs in the industry are actually very um, fast paced and demanding. Uh, so there's a lot more to learn than just how to fiddle with knobs and Ableton. <laughs> you know when you right were, well and i had to know. learn that the hard way i mean i literally got taken down <laughs> like life was like um you need to slow down honey yeah. and we're gonna make you because you're not you're not heeding the warnings and so it was beautiful i mean it's it was an amazing moment i mean now i can look back at it finally at the time i was <laughs> not yeah. in a good place but now i'm like okay like there comes a point you know we start getting older uh, we're, when we're younger, when we're in our 20s, you know, we can just race through and do all the things and everything, right? And Burn it doesn't affect us as much. Both ends, or how do they say? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what my mom used to say uh. to me all the time. You know, you're burning the candle at both ends. But I was just so driven and just wanted to accomplish so much. I didn't know how to slow down because I was just all about achieving and achieving and achieving and doing more. And, um, that's just a part of who I am naturally, but shifting that, um, to not doing as much to being more selective about the things that I do do has been really important for me. And then also just focusing on, you know, my, my yoga meditation, mm -hmm. breath work practices and all the mm -hmm. things that I'm into. And so those are things that helped you, um, through, through the crisis, so to speak, and to stabilize. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, Definitely, you know, all that stuff helped me, especially on the other side of it. I was like, wow, I just really want to and need to pay attention to my self-care a bit more than I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. that's interesting because I was in my notes earlier when I thought about, you know, your what you're doing. And when I look at your, you know, your work, I, I feel like there are two terms that come to my mind that sum things up and one was empowerment is one of the notes that I have here and the other is actually vulnerability um, and I feel like that's such a um, important thing to bring this into the community and to also to especially bring this to the um, 
younger people who are just starting out in these jobs to also not only talk about the rosy times, you know, when when it's all um, rainbows and unicorns, but also about the challenging times and how to over overcome them, right? Because I think a lot in you know in the in the in the you know the music world can look very shiny uh, from the outside, <laughs> and but like many other you know. Um, high tension so to speak uh, industries i think it um it can be a daunting and grueling grueling job i think so i i'm i'm really admiring this that you are um putting this vulnerability out and you know you're 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 talking about this time was that a i, I wonder was that was that a challenge did you did that just come naturally come naturally to you to talk about this and to share this or I think it took me about two years to share the full story um, because, and I love that you said that. I, thank you so much. I, I received that um, because, yeah, I spent so many years not showing my vulner vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, without to getting too like woo woo, <laughs> but um, that's all right. You it's know, a safe I, space. Nobody's <laughs> listening. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I was very, um, like in my masculine, uh, energy mm -hmm. when I was touring because I had, you know, I was around all men. I was most of the time, the only woman on the bus, if not, uh, I think only one time I was mm -hmm. on a bus with other women. Um, I very much had this feeling like, you know, I had to, to prove myself and to be taken seriously. I had to be in my masculine and kind of have this more of this hard edge and, um, I never wanted to show weakness. I never, because I was afraid that I would be, you know, crucified for it. I was afraid that people were going to say, she can't do this mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would be fired. So I learned to put on this mask as we do, you know, we, we all start out very, um, you know, innocent as children. And then we learn to put these masks on throughout our lives, um, depending on the situations and things that happen to us. And, um, so I was, you know, wearing my mask mm -hmm. and, um, I've been undoing, uh, all of that over the past couple of years and learning how to take off the mask a little bit <laughs> mm -hmm. bit by bit. It's just, just, you know, it does take some time. And, and, uh, you know, I was terrified to share my story at first and I kind of showed it, shared it a little bit, but I didn't want to be seen as weak. I didn't want people mm -hmm. to be like, wow, like she had this massive breakdown. Um, like what happened, you know, like. She's not strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the more I kind of started talking about it, the more I realized like so many people have similar stories, like not exactly the same, but we've all like gone through stuff, um, whether it's a health situation or something has happened in our lives that really affects us. And it's important to look at these situations and look at the reasons why they, ha they happened and it might not be for the reason that we think that they mm. did. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was really uh, helpful for me to, to be open about it and to take off that mask because I feel like the more we can authentically be ourselves and the more that we can share with the world, like that shame dies when we bring it to the light. And if we're shameful about something, like I was ashamed of having fallen sick, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, I wasn't really under my control. I mean, maybe, but not really. Um, and so, uh, well, is anything under our control? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, regardless, you know, just going through that and yeah. then being able to be open about it was super important for me and in my growth. And I just felt like a big weight had been lifted. And um, so I, I just try to be as open as possible now. So and it sounds like that's or at least that's what I understand is you're bringing that into the program for your, and now I have to ask for your accelerator participants, right? That's the circle that will yeah. spend a year with you. Yeah. 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 So, um, in the accelerator program, these folks get to do a deep dive with me and my team mm -hmm. and learn all of the things. <laughs> so it's kind of ridiculous how much content we've created. Uh, like I said, it's about 30 plus hours and growing of, of content and, 
of all different kinds of things of how to use Ableton Live for live performance, all the ninja, most ninja tips Mm -hmm. that I've um, learned about over the years, just things that you wouldn't be able to just learn Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, or would take a long time to learn. I just distilled into this program and then we've got different workshops. We've got um, our creative empowerment sessions. We've got uh, masterminds with me, goal setting, things like that. And then folks get to perform in our online festival. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool. I mean, I, I literally like created the program that I wish that I had. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted <laughs> like, to say, it's funny. There's, it seems to be, there seems to be um, uh, a mapping. I think earlier we said, what does it take in that kind of job? And you said it's technical skills, uh, you know, using the things, but then it's also musical skills, but then it's also mental skills of, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, there's a word for it, but it's eluding me right now. But uh, like the mental stability to deal with the pressure feels like all those three things are in the course. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But you know, Transmute is is definitely uh, that that track is for artists that want to learn how to use technology for their own live performances. Mm-hmm. So it is geared towards artists themselves, whereas master track is geared towards folks that want to be behind the scenes. Okay. I mean, you can take, people can take both and there's some crossover. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's, it's kind of that, that distinction between them. Okay. So there's a track for technical behind the scenes and an artist track. And if, I'm now listening to this and I got curious, then what do I do to sign up for this or learn more? Yeah, I mean, the first step would be to go to the transmuteacademy.com and join our free community. Got tons of amazing folks from all over the world that are in there that are all nerding out about the stuff that we've been talking about. And then um, once you're in there, there's different courses, like I said, that are free. Mm-hmm. And um, you can watch those. And, and then if you want to hang out with us more, you can either join the masterclass series, uh, which is our monthly masterclasses with different artists showing all of their amazing setups and tips and tricks. Or if you want to go all in, it's the accelerator program, mm-hmm, which is the intense course with a group of people for one year. For a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes for those that are interested. Thank you. And now before we wrap this up, uh, Laura, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I planned a little ambush on you. I have, okay. I have a rapid fire question thing. All here. right. If, if you're up for it. Sure. Yes. <laughs> and it's not completely serious. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So it's either or is the motto. So imagine okay. you have okay. to decide. For the rest okay. of times, okay. Okay. MIDI or audio? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> audio, audio. Audio. Yeah. Why, why is that? <laughs> yeah. Just because of the human. I mean, I just can't imagine not being able to like record my voice or my violin mm-hmm. or anything like that ever again i just like love the human aspect of that yes and i yeah. think it's very funny that you earlier said that you didn't even know what midi or audio was in here it's the first question of my <laughs> i list. know that's hilarious <laughs> wait a minute you wrote re- you rewrote these during our interview <laughs> no, no, didn't you? <laughs> it's coincidence if there is such a thing uh, <laughs> next one and i know you're an ableton lady so my question is yes pro tools or logic logic how come the midi <laughs> <laughs> but pro tools is so good at audio and when you're stuck for the rest of your life with audio rather than I, MIDI. oh it's true it's true oh man it's really tough but is it, is it do yeah. you have like i think the serious question behind that is do, do you have like a secondary door or do you have preferences i for example can say i can almost use all of them but logic i somehow have a logic allergy i can't i just can't see <laughs> like my brain doesn't work with logic i mean i like i like i really like both of them you know, equal, uh, I don't know. It's really hard it, just because of the MIDI eventless stuff uh-huh. in logic is just so True, amazing. I wish they had that. In, yeah. mm-hmm. I wish they had that in live. Um, 
but like you said, Pro Tools, like for mixing and recording is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've dabbled in other kind of like, you know, like digital performer, Cubase and Nuendo, and, you know, but I think Pro Tools and Logic are definitely, you know, so, tight so runners tight, up. Very <laughs> tough question. Tough to see. Yes. Okay. Drums or bass? Bass. Yeah. Big fan of the bass. Um, I mean, I like drums too. Yeah. You know, I think it's just like a more of a newer thing. Cause I've been really getting into like my bass production and I just love like 808 basses. Yeah. Sub bass so, stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd have to go with bass in that one. Okay. Analog or digital? analog there's just something about analog that's always going to be my favorite just the yeah do you, do you still use analog gear i do when i get a chance to you know i mean i've got a couple synths like the moog and you know um but i uh when i'm at other people's studios and like i'm around like modular stuff i'm mm-hmm. just like oh this is mm-hmm. like the sound of it is so cool uh-huh. <laughs> But I refuse to get into that world just because I know it'd be a rabbit hole and yes. I already spend enough money on everything. And so I'm like, yes, there. I just, I, yeah, I'm just not going there. Yeah. <laughs> there are people that, uh, yeah, have spent the rest of their lives with their modular synth. Right. <laughs> like that. Okay. La- and here's the last one. Voice choir or accordion? Voice choir Boy, or voice boys? choir or accordion? Boys. Boys choir. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, just again, the human, like humanness of that just, and I'm really into like voice right now. I'm actually taking voice lessons so I can become a better vocalist myself. Um, so yeah. I'm really relieved you, you picked the choir because, uh, as (laughs) as Gary Larson said, welcome to heaven. Here's your harp and welcome to hell. Here's your accordion. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Never heard that before, but that's that is cute. That's a, that's a, a classic U gem in joke, I think. Yeah. So you appeared uh, recently in uh, a little documentary that we did uh, that is called Inside Sound Minds, um, and you talked about composing music um, with U gem strings. So tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah. Wait, are you sure it's strings or is it strings? <laughs> strings. I know I can't do it like that. I can't do it with the voice, but was that you? Strings. Was it strings? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I love that video that you guys did. That was so cute. Um, so, yeah. So I got a chance to to do some work with strings and um I love the plugin. I, I mean, it's such a great instrument. And as a violinist, especially, you know, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I took to it because I was like, wow, this is saving me a lot of time. Um, and I love to play over it as well, uh, just to use it for, you know, ideas and then play over the ideas. But yeah, we did this like mini documentary uh, and uh, it was like a nature documentary. So I did that all with strings and then did this behind the scenes like interview and walkthrough of it. So I'm really proud of this, this, uh, I hate to say the word content, but this material. <laughs> this material, yes. <laughs> yes. And this is interesting because this is where we were feeling a little bit vulnerable you know, handing um, a beta version of strings back then to you even before release, um, you know, which is recreating Hans Zimmer's string orchestra in software. But again, it's a recreation, so to speak. It's a, a virtual instrument and you're a violinist. So we felt a little bit vulnerable there. So so how how, how does that come to, to together? Is that is that PC? Is that acceptable to be a violinist and still use canned strings from a virtual instrument oh totally oh my gosh because there's so many different like articulations and bowings and different things in there and uh, i just like 
it's an idea machine, really. I, I've been using it since then just to come up with initial ideas on songs. And I've been, you know, leaving some of them in there and, or replaying some of them. So I just think it's such a great tool, regardless of where you are, are at in your journey, but especially for folks that are just starting out, because you can literally say, I want this to be in the key of C minor and change it. And then mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden in the key of C minor. Mm -hmm. I just think that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the, 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 that's the, what we hope for <laughs> is that it's both useful for people who either are professional in in the genre and they want to speed things up or maybe also people who don't know anything about its strings um, and still want to get some string sounds in there yes yeah, so if you're curious also about this we'll put the links for both the interview with laura and the little documentary in the show notes that would be fab Good. yes laura, check it out thanks so much for taking the time today Everything must come to an end. And so does this episode. In the background is Laura's track that she produced using symphonic element strings. And before you go, consider this, participating in our song challenge. So you can win a full bundle of all UGEM Instruments plugins worth more than a thousand euros slash dollars. Go to www.ugem.com slash blog and in our blog find the article Make Beats for a Game Trailer. In there, you find the instructions how to download, and then it's easy. You write some music for the game trailer, you send us your track, and if it's really good, you might win. Got it? Great. See you next time.